This, this is, is Becoming Braver Man. May God blessing keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others and let others do for you. May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on. feeling so well so we're gonna I feel like I'm already kind of overcompensating you by being a little extra hyper for good you're gonna do all the so, talking maybe I'll ask you questions about the episode that's great I'm I'm super super down for anything right now um this week we watched episode three of parenthood and is called the deep end of the pool and Doug is not setting up for my time summary so this is me you haven't started yet. To, yeah, I haven't started it yet because you have to set up for the time. So count so down. So we're gonna we're gonna recap episode three. Recap in sixty seconds or less, starting now. All right. So Adam and Christina have a conundrum with their children. Um, Hattie feels neglected, but surprisingly, not so resentful. Max explodes a fish tank, and they have to find him a new school. And Crosby, meanwhile, is struggling to um, bond with Jabbar. He pukes in his car. Uh, I, I didn't mean to rhyme, but it just happened. And they're trying to bond, and it's a whole thing. And then he doesn't. He has some. He still hasn't told his fiance that he's a father. Julia is going hard in the paint with swimming, which spoiler alert turns into a big metaphor for life in this episode, which I can't wait to dig into. Um, and she is really concerned with uh, how Sydney learns how to swim because she was an all-star swimmer. Sarah, Ten oh, seconds. second chance Sarah. Dead relationship, dead car, dead phone, sharing a bed with her daughter, <laughs> confused about everything, really, you know, struggling with boundaries. That's there we it. Go. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but, but Crosby's not engaged, so that's not his fiance. Right, but did you notice that Katie refers to her, him as her fiance? So I didn't the, know that. They're quasi-engaged. The whole scene, um, when he goes looking for Jabbar and finds him with Katie unexpectedly because he thought Katie was out, out, off on a business trip or whatever, um, Katie's like, hi, fiance. So, like, she doesn't have a ring or anything, and there was no proposal. But remember, this is an offshoot of Crosby agreeing to have a baby with her in three years that they're now, like, sort Yeah, of that's engaged. how they, that's why she considers it an engagement. Yeah, thank you. Fiance. Yeah, it's really astute observation. Just repeating back. Where do you want to start? Like, what What did you think of well, the Well, we should start from the at beginning. Okay. So the beginning. Oh, not really. I I do oh, mine in okay. order of, of different characters. So did I. Who who would you want to start with? Well, I think we could start at the. Let's beginning. start with something light. How about that? Oh, okay. Because I usually circle something that I say at the end of the episodes. Oh, wow. That's not really relevant for conversation, but it's like a little knickknack paddywhack that we can talk. <laughs> we can listen to. Okay, the what, only one I circled this week. So so wait, let's clarify. The circling by circling you mean these are extras that, that extras, it's not really tidbits. it's not really discussion. It's more like observations. Like last time, I remember I said Adam was drinking milk, drinking and milk. it's like come on, come on, I who's more, drinking milk? As I have about? a little tidbit like that too, actually. Yeah, that I, yeah, I, I wrote that it every a, episode. I wrote it on a separate paper because it didn't really fit in with my notes. Yeah, but that was my, just something I noticed. My tidbit is Christina. And she had all the snacks in her purse. Oh my god, that's the purse. same thing I wrote down for mine. You copied. I wrote, 
Christina has lots of snacks in her purse. So she had like <laughs> yes. crackers, cookies, a hard-boiled egg. Trail mix. Trail mix, apple. like M&M's or something maybe. Well, the trail mix probably had M&M's in it. If any good like, trail mix has M&M's And then they, in she paused for a little bit. I will bit, die on that hill. And then named like four more things after that. I, I, but then she has so many snacks. But she also repeated them too because then that's when Max was like, "Is something wrong? Because you're just a guy. You guys are just saying the same things over and over again. That's when you knew mm. something's wrong." Because she kind of was like, "Are you hungry? I have trail mix, an apple, a hard boiled egg." And Max was like, "No, I'm fine." Then she was like, "Apple, egg, trail." Like she was kind of on her feet, but she if did have a lot it. of stuff in her purse, which is like the stereotypical mom purse. You know, like there's always something to eat. There's probably band aids. There's probably aspirin, lip gloss, mace. You know, Mace, perhaps, yes. Um, an Condoms. An extra change of cl- Condoms. For a mom bag? Maybe not a mom. That's how... The, the absence of condoms is how they got there in the first place. Having a mom bag, though, I guess so. If you think about it, uh, a woman's purse is like a hiking backpack. And they bring a lot of the same stuff. She brought all these snacks that you would bring if you yeah. were hiking on a multi-day right. trip. Yeah, for sure. And I actually... My purse right now is, I haven't actually transitioned back to my regular purse. My regular, my purse that I've been using for the past two days, biking to work, is my hiking backpack. That's totally irrelevant. That it just... Wow, all of our fans are going to love this conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's really cute though. We have the same tidbit. Doug just dropped yeah. his crystal that he's supposed to be playing with. Do you have any other tidbits? That was my tidbit, was that Christina has lots of snacks in her purse. And it was just funny. Although, while we're talking about Christina. Christina. I think her other... I put this in my general notes, but I think it's more of like a a tidbit too. Just another funny... um, Because I remember I talked about, you know, last week how Julia was getting... Got a funny moment with helping Sarah with what to wear for her job interview. And I, I noticed the funny moment that Christina got this week, which was after... After Max busted the fish tank, which I'm, we'll, maybe we'll get into more detail with later on. But if long story short, lucky. Max did something to make the entire fish tank at his in his classroom break. All the fish died. It was a huge cleanup. It resulted in them essentially getting kicked out of the school. But there's a scene where Adam shows up in the aftermath of it. And there's like a janitor guy cleaning up the fish tank gravel. And Christina is standing there. And Adam shows up and he goes, were there any? And she goes, survivors? No. And there's just like a beat where they're both just kind of staring at it. And they're realizing like, wow, I guess we're out of here. And then Christina goes, I was going to make fish tonight too. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember that. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because like when I, it reminded me of when I first had beta fish and I had like a lot of them because I You have one now. I only have the one now, but I, at, at a certain point in my life before I met you, I had like eight or nine at a time, and I always felt kind of weird eating fish for dinner when I had that many fish as pets. It's true. So it was, but it was a funny comedic moment for Christina, which, you know. Why would they kick Max out of the school because of that incident? I feel like that's not like he was bullying somebody and pulled a knife on a kid. He was just, he, he did something that he shouldn't have done, but it's not like, it's not, to me, it doesn't justify kicking him out. Well, Even if that was the third thing that he did, in it, like similarly, well, yeah, I feel like you shouldn't kick him were, out for that. They were building a case against him because Max didn't but fit it wasn't in the in box a, of what a standard public school education That's a public school, serve. though. I know. Public would, schools are supposed to serve all students. They would have no to justify what. kicking him out. They can't just say yeah. because he broke open a fish tank. But I think that's why um, the languaging that they used, they didn't actually kick him out because yeah. yeah to actually expel a kid you really do need to build it's almost a case as if against him but the the language that they used was that the what the and they we hear adam and christina talk about this with dr pelican is that they're advising that he seek placement elsewhere yeah it's almost as if it's they were just, but just looking different words looking at it for a different school without being forced to go yeah but i mean even even without the official max getting expelled max still wasn't you know being served well like i that opening scene where Max is clearly struggling with the auditory stimulation of the fish tank. The teacher is terrible. Like Max doesn't do a great job of communicating either, but he's in third grade. How is he supposed to, how is he supposed to be like, excuse me, 
Um, the bubbles are really bothering me. Is there a way that we can, like, you can't expect him to do that. But the way the teacher responds to him is so punitive and it's so controlling. But the thing is, is school, like a public school is made for the masses. Yeah. And, and by, av- like, the average of the masses is, like, what you find in a school. And he's he's not that average. He's not no. that. So they have to cater to the average. They can't cater to, like, the highest level kid or the lowest level kid. Of they course have to do not, what's which in is the why public school education is so average because it just they just have to teach to be average. Right, but you can't have but, a separate school for each. No, type no, of I understand what you're saying, which is, but it's also just adds to my whole like public school is just a fluke anyway. But so the system, you're, I agree with what you're saying about the system, like the. You system, just said public school is a fluke. A fluke is a fish. No, a fluke. Okay. A fluke is like a joke. It ties in because the fish tank. Oh, I get it. But I agree with what you're saying about how the system, in order for it to, to survive and to be effective, it has to land in the middle somewhere. My thing is about the individual teacher. I know, because I spent seven years as a public school teacher, when you become a teacher, that's not an appropriate time to knock on wood. <laughs> <laughs> you knock on wood in hopes that something doesn't happen. That already happened. Um, as a teacher, like the system is the system, whatever. But you become a teacher because you do want to help all kids or as many kids as you can. And so that teacher, regardless of the system that she was being forced to operate under, that she chose to operate within by being a teacher, there's no curiosity there. There's no... Max, what can I do to help you through this moment? It's just, yeah, they could have reacted Max, better. Max, sit down. Max, I need you to be quiet. Max, sit down. Well, and did you notice what they were learning was handwriting? So it wasn't even like something... Handwriting, yes, handwriting is important. But like it wasn't even something super stimulating or like important. Yeah, obviously. I mean, they didn't... Uh, they didn't, he didn't... It was just so restrictive. Teacher didn't respond control. correctly. So it's for the best that he's finding a new place. Because oh, yeah, we already knew that. He doesn't, doesn't fit in there now. But yeah. how would you combat the bubble sounds? Well, I don't think you should have a fish tank in a classroom. You had one in the classroom. I had a fish tank that didn't bubble. I had a, uh, I had a freestanding one. The, it's the same thing why, you know, m- most classrooms, it's why we don't have cats and dogs as classroom pets because kids have allergies. But even like guinea pigs and hamsters, ki- kids might have allergies to that. And also the smell of those rodents doesn't always lend itself to well, a Well, that's why a fish is pretty innocuous. A fish is a great classroom pet. If it's not a water, if it doesn't require a water filtration tank, that it, like. But literally, he's the only kid that has right. a problem with the sound but of bubbles. But the with the the more, the more kids that get diagnosed with autism, and the more that we learn about like auditory sensitivities and stuff, it just makes sense to not have a fucking fish tank in a classroom, that is going to. Well, be let me ask you. disturbing. Let's say there's thirty kids in a classroom. And Which is a problem to begin with, to have that many kids in a classroom. Right. But let's say 20 kids out of the 30 like really love the fish in the tank. Let's, let's say it was a large enough fish tank where each kid had a, had a fish in the tank. And so... <laughs> oh, my God. Let's say 20 out of the students love their fish. Nine students didn't love their fish. And then the one student, Max, hated the whole fish tank completely because of the sound of the bubbles. So you have you having that fish tank there, twenty percent love it out of thirty. So that's the majority. I think you're you're giving benefit to the majority, and that's what you have to look at. You can't look at one individual kid like you're saying. Right, you can't, to eliminate the benefits of having the fish tank. You can't um, you can't focus on one kid's needs at the expense of twenty other kids' needs. I hear you on that. But at the same time, it's a fish tank. The fish are not actually, like, they're not a huge benefit to the classroom. Like, the fish aren't teaching the kids how to read. The fish aren't teaching the kids long division. Let's say... they Those kids could still come into that classroom and feel safe and feel loved and feel valued and feel important. But I'm saying... And be successful without any fish tanks. But I'm saying if those 20 kids, they all had their own individual fish. And well, those, who cares? They can have their own individual fish at home. What if the, those students don't have friends and that fish is their friend? I'm going to just, I'm, I don't want to argue with you about this anymore because I'm just so proud of how empathetic you're being and how like you're standing up for fish lovers everywhere. Well, no, I think you got to, it, it's just like with the, we can agree to disagree. It's just like with the voting and, and the political system. I think you have to 
do what's best for the for the majority. Well, yeah, that's a certain way of, of living life. That's a certain ethics. The the greatest the you're affecting the greatest change the by affecting the majority like the, of the, the people. The greatest good for the greatest number is definitely a way of living that is usually well, I think pretty it's, effective. It's probably the most fair way, right? Because you're you're for the people who. But it's the majority. But it's the majority. Yeah. So wouldn't that be the like most fair? Whole, I don't like thinking about things in that way. Anyway, I think I'm, you know, like I think everyone is special and everyone has their own needs and like a perfect, an ideal world is one where we all feel empowered to access our own needs, you know, and well, yeah. and don't impinge on other people's freedom of, of living, you know. But isn't that impinging on it, taking away the fish that the student loves? Well, I mean, what's the difference between like what if you had a dog instead of a fish? Some some people look at fish like they do dogs. They really. Have a connection. Connection. That's a big part of this episode. Okay, but like, it's fish. And it's in That's a classroom. That's not fair. That's not a fair argument. That's why I said I don't really want to argue this anymore because uh, it's just like, I, I really like what the angle that you're coming at, but I just, I'm ha- I have a more harsh view of it because I've spent time in a classroom and like, a fish, having a fish tank is not worth it if it, if it's creating problems. Even if, Twenty kids, like I guarantee you, most of the kids don't even look at the fish. Like it's not even a thing. Like it's, it's not doing the the hard work of the classroom. A fish tank is not. We spent entirely too much time talking about fish tanks. Anyway. Yeah, but like like in our house, like the a mirror is not doing the majority of the work to like allow us to live here. But it's definitely a benefit that we use every day. Well, right? I look into it every day. That's what I'm saying. It's not like an integral part of this house, but it's so useful. And it could be the same with a fish. For but if you wanted to get rid of that mirror, I'd be okay with it. You would. That's the thing. You wouldn't be okay with it. I would be. Well, this mirror, but Especially not all mirrors. Right now, well, yeah, I'd still want a mirror. See? But it, like, it's a mirror. It's a mirror. <laughs> oh Just like it's a fish. It's a fish. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know where to go from here. This is the great fish tank debacle. Um, fish tanks to have or not to have. That is the question. So, what else do you want to talk about? Well, I said connection. So, I yeah. have under Crosby, he asked the question to Adam regarding children. Mm-hmm. What makes all of this worth it? Um, and Adam answers, it's the connection and the bond that you have. And then Crosby says, I don't have that or I don't think I have what it. What if you don't have it? He's, he's asking a what if question. Like, yeah, and then Adam says, saying, like, you will eventually. You don't have it right now, but you will. You, you, have, you don't know Jabbar that well. So that's, a, you know, what, what makes this all worth it. We have no experience in this. Yeah, but don't you think... Oh, are you done here, Saul? Yes. Okay. I feel like that question, Crosby was asking it specifically in terms of parenthood. That's what I'm saying. But I feel like that question... Is like life for life. What makes all of it worth it? It's the connection. So like, it I think that's the same answer. Yes. Yes. It, it, it that answer works for parenthood and for life. And I want to. So yeah, that's my serious reaction. But then, like, I also want to remind you when when we were watching the show and Crosby was like, "Well, what if you don't have that connection?" You were like. The kid's not yours. <laughs> like you're like, the kid's not, which is not true. Like that's not even an issue. That's not a thing that. Well, I it guess, is a thing people have if no, that's no, not their. No, no. I'm kid. talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about this show. I'm saying like, it's Jabbar is definitely his kid. Oh yeah. But yeah. the thing is that at the whole conversation that he's having with Adam, he's like, you got to watch it in the oven. You got to watch Christina be pregnant. You got to see Hattie and Max from when they were literally just seconds old. Yeah, I think. And he got Jabbar. Crosby was screwed in this whole ordeal. When he, well, yeah, we talked about that last week. Ooh, about I can't Jasmine, wait. And it's only going to get worse. I can't wait till Crosby calls her out on it. Jasmine's Jasmine did not go about this in the best way, or well, let's you know she did it what she thought was best at the time, but it ends up backfiring big time. It's already ends up backfiring because Crosby. Is a good guy and he wants to be there for Jabbar, but he is struggling to have a connection with him because, as he said to Adam, I got mine walking, talking, uh, expert at, at Candyland, five year old, like already fully formed, essentially. And it's, yeah, just like it's hard to make a new friend, that's essentially what's happening, but at an even more important and heavier level. So Crosby's feeling all this pressure to connect with this fully formed human being that is also his son. So there's so. 
so much um, going on. But yeah, the connection, you know. What makes all of this worth it? What makes all this worth connection? Do you feel like at the end, though, I'm, I'm just going to say, instead of asking you a question, I'm going to say at the end, I do feel like they, they have bonded. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, scene? yeah, at the end, um, I, I when, they're on, when they're on Crosby's houseboat, uh, what yeah, happens? well, they're, they're like they're not inside the houseboat. They're like they're, sitting on the dock. They're but they're in that vicinity. I think they're on the houseboat. Yeah, but they're like off the out. housing part of it. Yeah, they're just like outside. Not that that is all is at all important. What were they talking about again? Well, they were talking about how oh. Katie uh, in Crosby did not claim Jabbar as his son in front of Katie. And I know you had a, kind of had issues about like, well, would a five year old even be aware of that realistically. Outside of that, this five-year-old... Jabbar is super Jabbar smart. Jabbar is super smart. He's a genius. He's really good at Candyland. He definitely noticed what was happening and got upset about what happened. Uh, he didn't say anything, but he kind of made this grumpy face in the moment, and then they're talking about it. Crosby has the the awareness to know that, like, oh, I should probably talk about this. So he says... Um, and this is what a... Well, this, the... the Okay, go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> this is what I love about Crosby's parenting style, even though he's re- he comes to it very late in the game and he has a lot of stuff to make up for in a lot of people's eyes and he doesn't always get it right as far as, you know, like, especially right now his parenting style is just kind of like being the fun guy to hang out with. But what I love about him just as a person and especially as a father is his... Um, He's vulnerable. Like, he can get very vulnerable, and he admits to stuff that he's done wrong, you know, after the fact or whatever. So they're talking, and, and Crosby's like, hey, I'm really sorry about what happened back there, um, you know, about how I how I, how I, I told that lady I'm that just I ashamed didn't of really you, know Jabbar. You. I'm ashamed of you. Well, he told, the, he told, the, he told Katie, because Katie was like, who is this? And Crosby was like, I don't know. One of the girls asked me to watch him. So he like really kind of deflects the whole thing. So he's apologizing for that. And he says, um, you know, I just, I just got really scared, which is not something that parents easily admit to their kids. Cause often it's good to not show your kids Weakness. that you're scared. Like, well, no, not necessarily, weak, but it's, it's just important to be a strong, stable Thing for your kid, not is it? Like, Maybe we should all be very not, vulnerable with our kids, right? Like we're vo- so, vulnerable as adults, now. but not vulnerable to the point that the kid doesn't feel safe. I'm just saying, like that. Maybe that, how do we know? That's, that's not why the it ideal. Happen very often, but Crosby's like, I'm sorry about what happened, about what I told that lady back there, but I just, I really got scared. The con- and this connects because well, Jabbar, go ahead. Oh, I think you're finishing what I was saying. But you can finish. You can finish the scene if you want to. Oh, you can finish talking. No. Oh, okay. So earlier in that whole hangout session, Jabbar had accidentally broken off one of the pegs of, on the mixing board, and he got scared about telling Crosby, and that's why he ran off in the first place. And so he pulls the Jabbar, the most adorable kid. After Crosby's like, "I'm sorry, I just got I got well. really scared." Jabbar goes, "It's okay. I understand." And it turns out he really did understand because he had a moment like that this afternoon too, so he where he was too scared to say something because he was scared he was going to get in trouble. So he pulls out the little, the little uh, peg thingy. I don't know what the right term is for, it, but it's something that it's a control peg from the mixing board that Jabbar had accidentally broken off, and he was like, I didn't want to tell you about it because I was scared that I would be in trouble. And so I feel like, and that in that scene. Crosby and Jabbar, or you know, Crosby does feel a connection finally with his son. Well, that's where the connection fear, is over vulnerability, over like admitting, like, oh, I got scared. I was scared. Well, know? that's what Crosby says: is I would have done the same thing. Yes, exactly. And run away. I would have done the same thing as you. And yeah. so that's then he gets the smile on on his face mm-hmm. as they overlook the bay. It's a very beautiful. Scene. That's the connection that they have. Yeah. I think that's the theme of this episode: is connection or swimming. Oh, good transition. Segway. So yeah, I wrote swimming in big capital letters. Like at like, I feel like that's the big like, because the title of the episode is the deep end of the pool, and 
we see literal swimming happening, but we also see some metaphorical risks being taken by characters. Um, but do you want to talk about? No, I action? want you to talk about it. Okay, he's making I want me do you, so much. I want you work. to talk about. I want you to tie these two things in. Tibetan prayer stones and tough love swimming. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you about Julia. And That's so that. Sydney is taking a swimming class with Joel because it's a, it's a class that happens, you know, during the workday. Julia is a working mom. And so Sydney and Joel are attending this swimming class and Sydney with Raquel and Harmony, Raquel. by the well, by the way, by the, by the well. By the way, um, and all like the basically the mommy, the the mommy friends that Joel has ha- has made. Joel's lucky, huh? And um, if you're gonna make me do this setup and explain this, you better stop interrupting. I'm not interrupting. I'm supplementing. Oh, thank you. Joel's hanging out with all these moms. It's yeah, he does. In a pool, he does have an interesting life. Um, and Raquel is definitely wearing a bikini to the swim class, which that's what you should wear in a pool. Yeah, okay. What do you want her to wear? It's a suit. Like, it's like a mommy and me, you know, like Julie had a nice one piece on, you know. I, I don't know. I'm not here to shame with I think that's because she's she was a professional swimmer. Right. She's that's like, more efficient. Right, exactly. So anyway, so Julia, um, as Doug just mentioned, Julia is very serious about swimming because she had a swimming career in high school. CIF. All star, CIF, whatever that stands for. Like she was a very good swimmer. What do you think she, it stands for? Championship. Uh, international Fools. So swimming's not even in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how... What's another word for swimming that starts with C-I-F? Central Athlete Foundation. Mm. Oh, it's C-I-F. Central yes. Impotence Foundation. What's the synonym for swimming that starts with C-I or F? Irrigating. That's close. Irrigating flagellants. Flagellation. Why are we doing this? <laughs> That's part of the, the podcast. We, I know. Just, we don't want to just stick to the script. I'm just asking as part of the podcast, why are we doing this? Anyway. If you know what CIF stands for, email us. Email us, us at becomingbraverman at gmail.com. We're also on have Instagram. Have you been checking that email? Well, the way I have my email set up is that all my inboxes are connected. Uh, so I just, whenever I click my Gmail icon, I get all my email for all like seven of my Did we get a lot accounts. of uh, comments? Oh, yeah, we had like 500 last week. That's it? Okay. Maybe 501. So, Julia is not happy with the way that this swim class is progressing because it's all, it's a very zen swim class, as she explains to Adam at a, during a later conversation. Um, it's all about the child going at its own pace and getting very acclimated to the water and not being forced or pressured into actually floating on its own it being the child you know their own whatever and julia comes to observe one day and then she sees uh sydney blowing bubbles in the bathtub and she's just like this is not okay and she goes to see adam at his office which is just another example of adam being everything to everyone because he was in the middle of the work day Millie! <laughs> <She was> <laughs> That was my one belly. That was your one. Um, I still have one. Oh, you get one too? Yeah. If okay. you get one, I get I thought one. It was just Equal me. opportunities. Okay. Um, so, Julia goes to see Adam, as you do when you have a great, wise, older brother like that. I would hit up Adam all the time if he was my older brother. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I don't like the way Sydney is learning how to swim. And then Adam finishes her thought. He's like, but you don't feel like you can do anything because you're a working mom. And then he's like, he empowers her, perhaps a little bit too much. He's Teach like, her how to swim. He's like, you don't have to pick. You don't have to pick between your work and motherhood. You go and you go and teach your daughter how to swim. And so then she does just that. Um, she goes to the pool, swim, like gets into her Olympic swimsuit speedo thing. Mother may I? Does a whole entrance. Um, Dives into the pool, does a whole lap and back, and then like basically impresses Sydney. And Cindy goes, "Wow, mommy, you're like a fish." And Julia's like, "Do you want to? You want to learn how to swim like a fish?" And Sydney was like, "Yes." It's all going really great at first, and then well, she she 
teaches Sydney based on how Zeke taught her yes, when she I was, was two years old. Two years old. Right. And how old is Sydney? Five. I think I think she's close to Jabbar's age. So yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe they're related. I think it's so interesting, you know how Adam and his siblings, you know they tr- they really are very for the most part intentional about their parenting. But yet they do still kind of almost blindly continue some cycles that they learned from Zeke too, which is not necessarily bad. But I think this is a good part. It's just of interesting how Zeke taught them because well, I think yeah. swimming is one of those things where you just have to like you really dive in. Be put in Take a position. Take a breath. <laughs> Everyone just stopped. Pierce the veil, everybody. Check it out. If you don't know, you look like you're embarrassed. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. I'm sorry, it came over me and I couldn't. Swimming is one of those things where, like, I think that's one of the best ways to learn if you're afraid of the water is to be put in a position where you can be saved by your parents, but it forces you to try to swim. So, yeah, to finish the, this, you know, if if you're, for those at home who aren't watching the show along with this, Julia has Sydney go to the wall and she backs up a couple feet and she's like, all right, Sydney, swim to me. And Sydney has a slightly traumatic experience. She... Julia sees it as, oh, you swam. You did what you needed to do. You you got up from, and you swam. But Sydney got scared, and she was like, you drowned me, Mama. And she <laughs> goes to Joel for safety, and it's this whole big thing. Long story short, though, is that um, Sydney does end up swimming like the very the, that that very day, like later on that same day. Julia was right, and Joel even says she wouldn't have gotten here. So at this point, you know, without your Without your torturous ways, I think. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking and let you chime in. But I want to talk about Joel next. I already chimed in. I so, believe everything you said. Well, yeah, you believe it. But what else do you have to say about it? That's all I had for swimming. Oh, okay. It wasn't a big part of it for me this episode. Oh, I, I started to see it. Um, here's where here's where else I saw Well, I know you saw it at the end, and that's what brought them all well, together. Well, I saw swimming. I saw swimming as a distraction for Adam and Christina as they were waiting for that. Um, call from Footpaths. Julia showed up at their house and they were like, we're all going swimming. And like literally everyone, the entire Braverman clan was there at the pool swimming. Um, Christina and Millie were not seen in the water, but everybody else was like literally in the water. And it was a great bonding thing, but also a distraction while they waited for this call that would tell them whether or not Max had a school to go to. I also saw Sarah taking leaps as far as not shooting not actually swimming but when she you know she lets her parents buy her a car and then she ends up going she like breaks up with Jim Kaczynski but then ends up going back to his house at the end of the episode so I saw some like swimming in the deep end for her because she is very stubborn and defensive about accepting help and so that was a, a big risk for her to like let her parents buy her a car it was a big risk for her to Go back and talk to Jim Kaczynski again after kind of cutting things off. Um, I think the whole Crosby and Jabbar thing is a, a whole other example of swimming in the deep end. You know, Crosby has no idea what he's doing. Well, like a lot of parents will say, like, you don't know what you're doing from one day. You just try to do your best. We don't have any firsthand experience of that. But like Crosby, like really is in the deep end with Jabbar and trying to make a connection. He doesn't even know that he's lactose intolerant, you know, like just a little example there. He learns that. Um, and Adam and Christina are definitely swimming in the deep end with Matt. Like the deep end of the pool is like, that's the name of the title. That's the title of the episode. And that's everybody is spending a lot of time in the deep end of the pool of life. Mm. So I guess I agree with that. <laughs> Now we're going to move on to the shitting on Sarah segment. Mm. Um, Before we do that, though. Oh, okay. I, I can't wait because I do have some things. I, I saw Sarah in a different light this episode. Really? Even though I, even though I just said some positive things about her. a few things that were negative. I just said some positive things about her, but I also... I You're have rolling some, up your sleeves. This is serious. I have some constructive criticism for her that I didn't notice, you know, other times I watched this episode. But before we go there, I want to talk about Joel... Before we move on, because we kind of, it's, we're at a perfect place to talk about Joel. Every time you do that, the listeners are like, what is that noise? Because um, we just spent some time talking about Julia. So I want to talk about Joel. Joel. I, as you know, am in love with Joel. Ew. I think 
he's just such a out of the box character. Like he's a stay at home dad, and you know he's married to a wife who is like very strong and independent and powerful, and he's like essentially married to the whole Braverman family and like has to deal with all of their antics and he's the only son-in-law you know like because Sarah doesn't have anything going on and like Christina daughter-in-law and son-in-law dynamics are different you know like um so I think it's he's got to navigate some interesting terrain but what really stuck out to me with with Joel and I think this provide it's very different from how Sarah operates in this episode he is able to support and validate Julia and how she chooses to teach Sydney how to swim while still being angry with her. And I think that that is, like, I was struck by the beauty of that. Yeah, that's true, but you, you'll know in the future episodes he kind of can't do both after a while. No, you can't. It's not sustained. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, but yeah, we're not talking about future episodes, so... You know, we're supposed to be right here in the here and now. And I don't, yeah, I well, don't, I don't think, I don't think that, you know, the dance that he was doing is like sustainable for all the time. But I do think it's still like a beautiful thing that he's doing as far as like he, you know, he, he, he was worried when Julia showed up. He's like, oh no, I know what she's going to do. She's going to come in real hot and like try to teach Sydney how to swim her way because it's super important to her. And, but then, like, in the pool, he even steps up and he's like, come on, Sydney, just swim to mom. It'll be okay. We got you. But then he still maintains, like, his justified anger about, like, Julia, you just come sweeping in whenever it's convenient for you, whenever it's something that's important to you, and, like, take over how our daughter's being raised. But then later on, when Sydney's showing mom the or Julia the Video. footage of how she swam, you know, he says, you know, she wouldn't be able to do this without you. I just think it's, like... Well, Again, no, I, it, I, I don't yes, think I know in the future they have problems because but now, of that. No, I don't but, think Joel has a problem with with her teaching Sydney how to swim. I think his reaction when he saw that she was about to dive into the pool was it's like he probably thought it wasn't like the right scenario for them because they're Joel and Sydney are attending a swimming class. Right. And she's crashing it. Mm -hmm. So this is not like on a weekend where they just go swimming and try to teach their daughter. This is like uh, interrupting like this whole swimming lesson. Right, and Joel that's has a whole—he has a whole community there. Like he's friends with those moms, and he might even be worried about like being embarrassed for himself. That's what I think it yeah. was more so than his her territory. just teaching Sydney. No, yeah, that, and that's he why he knows she's a great swimmer, so she's probably the best person to teach Sydney. And that's why I think that he's able to do that dance of being both and not just being angry or not just being supportive, but because it's about two separate things. Like it's not that he doesn't think. Julia would be good at teaching Sydney. It's just like the way she's going about it. So I think that's partly why he's able to pull that off, being like so supportive and validating of her, but also being very clear like about like that's not okay. Like in the future, you can't just you can't just come into my territory and, and crash the party. So, but yeah, I I don't like Joel that much, but yeah, I mean he's not like my favorite character, but there's definitely there's aspects of him that I really really like to. To me, he's like. Very neutral about most things. I think he's, he's kind of just there. Mm, he, I, I think he's got he's an, he's got an interesting perspective because he's not a Braverman, but he's married to a Braverman, and so. I think he's got a lot of built up resentment because he wants to be working, and we kind of find out that later. But like up to right now, you don't you don't really see he's it. He's been doing it for five years, he but you kind of tell something's boiling up between yeah. them. That he wishes he was like he. I think it feels like he's making a sacrifice. I think that's how he feels to do this, and he'd rather be working. Uh, you know. Or yeah, it's like, like I said, it's a very interesting situation that they have. But uh, one more thing before we get to shitting, shitting on Sarah. I feel like just because you're good at something doesn't mean you're going to be a good teacher at it. So I think that, I mean, yeah, I think Julia's teaching strategy is in the end effective, but. It's not effective because she was an all-star CIF. It's effective just because she did what her dad did to her when she was two. It has nothing... Yeah. It, it's important to her because it was something that she put a lot of time and effort into in high school. But I think that's a lie that we're told that like just because you're, you're good at it, you'll be a good teacher. Sometimes 
people who are really, really good at something have a hard time teaching other people because there are, they, they spend so much time in that expert stage that it's hard for them to break it down for beginners. You can do it. I'm not saying just because you are good at something doesn't mean you can't teach it. And then I'm also not saying like that whole saying that I hate, like, oh, if you can't do it, those who can't do teach, like that's bullshit too. I'm just saying that like, well, yeah, just but because I mean, you're good at it doesn't mean you're yeah, going to be a good teacher. Yeah, but this is just teaching the five-year-old how to stay afloat. Like, right. It's but not... again, she doesn't use any any anything that she learned in high school. She uses what her dad did. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a whole thing. All right, Sarah, I'm ready. Well, you already mentioned she broke up with Jim Kaczynski. Before and... they had even really started anything, to be honest. Yeah, they weren't even really together. Was... Breakup was not necessary. But they were at the coffee shop, and all of Jim's co-workers gave Sarah some coffee for free, an extra shot of hazelnut. Right. Which is just an extra shot of sugar, right? Like a sugary yes, syrup. Flavor, but so usually, it's probably not a good thing. Why do they do that? Usually it costs more. Yeah. It costs more, so, yeah. And then she leaves after she breaks up with him, but she can't leave because her car won't start, and then she has the nerve to go back oh, into the coffee you, shop. Also, her phone died, too. And That's her phone died, she so she couldn't call, call anybody. Throughout, so she but she go goes back, back in after she just more or less broke Jim's heart mm-hmm. and is about to ask her, or about to ask him to borrow the phone to call somebody to get her out of there. <laughs> so she, that's You already mentioned that. The other thing is I didn't quite understand. Sarah was sleeping in Amber's bed. Do they share a bed? Yeah, they're sharing a bedroom. Okay. Excuse me. A bedroom, but they're not a bed, right? Well, yeah, apparently that that's... It's I like, missed the first part of it. I feel like that's unrealistic. I feel like in that house, there's got to be some other bed. It, the house looks so big from the outside. Like, right. I feel like there's got to be other... So that's just something that's there to create you know, this conflict and this need for Sarah to talk to Zeke about moving into the guest house. But, but yeah, because Drew's the boy, like Drew got his own room and Sarah and Amber are sharing a room and it's clearly well. Here's, what I, didn't, here's well. what I didn't like. Sarah climbs into the bed and wakes Amber up and then she says, she's so tired, she's so tired. Yeah. She has nothing to do tomorrow. <laughs> Whereas Amber has to go has to, to fucking go to school. school. Yeah. So you shit, would think shitty Sarah. Just, just go home, just go downstairs and sleep on the couch in the living room, you know? Sleep on the That's floor. Bad. Sleep on the floor. Put a sheet on the floor with a pillow. Shitty Sarah, sleep on the floor. And then she says uh, to, I forgot, Camille. Camille? Camille or Millie! There you go. Now we're even. You may Dude, not. I wasted it. I didn't really want to do it there. You got to do it when I'm talking. Yeah, I, I want to do it when you're in the it. middle of like a really important point. She says, you may not buy me a car. Mm-hmm. Which, she needs a car. Mm-hmm. And then she says... To Drew, I think, in this family, we take care of ourselves, which is completely opposite of what the show is about, what the Braverman family is about, and completely opposite of what she's doing right now in her life. She's reaching out to her family to take care of her, to feed feed her, to house her, to feed her kids, and she says, we we take care of ourselves, but this is completely not true. Why is she even saying that? I don't know. And then yeah. she ends up letting Zeke get get her a car from the junkyard to fix up, right? Um, well, it's unclear about what's happening. I know that she ends up letting them tow away her old car, which means that she's going to let her parents buy her a new car, but like a new used I car. I think that's what they did at the junkyard. I, at the and, junkyard. Because then Drew was, was working on it, remember? At the, that's... That's the car that they got rid of at the end of the you episode. You sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were at the junkyard because that's when Sarah was still like, you may not buy me a car. So they went to the junkyard to look for parts to fix her old crappy car. We, we, we kind of talked end, about this in the first episode, like letting other people help you, right? Yeah. And she just, she doesn't even see it when she needs the help mm-hmm. the most. Oh, you may not buy me well, a car. The, yeah. Like she's that, so prestigious in her ways that she's above, all, she's above all that stuff. So here's the thing. I love that you brought these particular instances up because I also have Thank something you. to say um, about this. Uh, Sarah has trouble with receiving help. Like it's a, it's like a pride, like it's a pride thing or whatever. But like, yeah, she has so much shame about her situation that she has trouble to the point where it's just annoying. Like, accept the reality. Yes, you married a man who ended up having really big problems and causing you a lot of strife and and, and, and to, now you have to leave and to, and and now you're in this place where you need your parents to give you a house and and food but like 
that's fine. Like, you know, it's not going to be like this forever. You're going, you, you, you don't want it to be like this forever. So you're going to get back on your feet eventually. But in the meantime, like stop making such a big deal, accept the help that you need. Mm -hmm. And so like when she says, here's the thing about Sarah, she puts up fake boundaries. They're not actual, like boundaries are important. Like boundaries as far as like how much time and energy that you give other people, that's actually what helps us to love other people. Boundaries keep us from giving away too much of ourselves or letting people have too much of our own power. I could talk about boundaries forever. But the thing about Sarah, she thinks that she's setting a really great boundary when she tells her mom, you may not buy me a car. She thinks that that she, she, I, I know, like she feels really good about saying that. She feels like, that's right, I'm being my own person. But she's hypocritical. I'm not letting, yeah. She's, it's a fake boundary because it's an ineffective boundary that's not necessary. This is a gift that is being given to you with no expectations, no conditions. And yeah, I know she has, she has it, a hard just, relationship with her mom sometimes, whatever. But like, but if, this is a, this is something that she should just, Except this boundary that she's creating by not letting her parents uh, buy her a car is only creating suffering for her and her kids. And that's exactly what she says she's trying to avoid. She's so defensive and she's so insecure about where she is in life that she can't accept the help that she needs to help her get to a new place in life. Well, she's taken a stance on the no car thing, but she's for, taken help, like I mentioned, yeah, it's all, the wrong all those thing. other things. Yeah. So she's you already doing cherry it. cherry pick where you receive help. Yeah, you're already you receive receiving help. it. And then the whole thing about, like, in this family, like, no, you're you're a Braverman, Sarah. Like, you're a Braverman, and Bravermans take care of each other. We take care of our, in this family, we take, she's, like, excluded. Yeah, why would she say that? It's just, been, it's, it's just her being so defensive and being so prideful at the expense of her own well-being, you And know? then, you know, I would say what we know about Sarah right now, based on the first three yeah. episodes. Keep it here. Keep it here. I would question her relationship with Seth. I don't know if Seth is really the bad person in that relationship. She says that, but everything she's saying up to this point, I, I take with a grain of salt because it doesn't seem believable. Well, she's putting all the blame for where she's at in her current life from her relationship with her ex-husband. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's not the case because the ex-husband has been out of the picture for so long and she's still doing stupid shit. I hear your point. I don't... I, don't, I would question it. I don't think that the ex-husband has been out of the picture for so long. I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's unclear about that. And yeah, based on what we know about Sarah, I do think she puts way too much blame on somebody else for the place that she is in her life. You can't, like other people can hurt you and other people can bring you down, but ultimately it's your choice, you know, like, um, and that's, I don't know, maybe that's kind of a privileged thing. Some people, sometimes you don't have choice sometimes power does just get taken away from you but like yeah i think she puts she holds on to her pain way too much and she puts way too much blame on seth and i do hear what you're saying about like you know it takes two people to make a relationship and it also takes two people to break a relationship so yeah obviously sarah probably has some, but what we do know about seth is that he does also have a drug problem I know it's mostly something we've heard from Sarah, so yeah, maybe we question Sarah, but like, we do know that that Seth has a has a substance abuse problem, so that's definitely a big part of it. But I agree with you as far as like her blaming Seth too much for the. But Seth that she's hasn't. In Seth's not around anymore. Right. Okay. Exactly. But she's, she's not still setting using a Seth good example for yeah. Drew and Amber at all. She's like giving them, like. She, she acts more like a kid than a parent. Mm -hmm. And it's in every episode and so at far. at the end of the episode... Seth is not here. You can't blame Seth anymore. At the end of the episode, she's still, she's, she still doesn't have a job. She's, she's, let, she's letting her parents buy her car, which is fine. Like, I don't have a problem with that. But she's back at Jim Kaczynski's doorstep after breaking up with him and saying, like, it's not the right time. I'm trying to take care of my kids and get my life back on track. So why are you back at Jim Krasinski's house, Sarah? And then fighting with Amber, waking her up Krasinski. on a school night. Like, yeah. for what? What do you have to get up for? What are you going right. to do tomorrow like, morning? I'm so tired. Like, you don't have a job. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to try and fix your car? This is good. This is like uh, doubling up on, on uh, shit on Sarah segment. Yeah. I definitely had some words. Because, like, yeah, it's just like, wow. I was like, that's just a fucking fake boundary you're making. 
to make yourself feel better. Like, oh, I might be letting my parents pay for my housing and my food, but I'm not letting them buy me a car. Like, that enough is enough. I'm saying enough for myself. No. Let your parents buy you a car. Let your parents buy you hearing aids. Let your parents pay for dinner. Just let it happen. Well, I mean, there's something to not allowing it if... Uh, yeah, if it's... If, if it's, you're in a if position... If it's manipulative, if there's bad things coming along with it, like, we'll buy you a car if you do that. Like, if there's conditions, there's nothing... All the she needs the help. Well, it's different. If she needs the car if she to didn't make have, her life happen. If she didn't have kids, it would be like a different story where she could just say, I don't accept the car, and that's that's okay. And it's only about her. But yeah. this is a, like a thing where like she needs a car to pick up the kids even. Right. Drew doesn't want to ride the bus, which I don't know He's why. He's probably getting bullied. It's Drew. He's yeah, probably it's getting true. bullied on the bus. Let's Crying be, every day. Let's be real. Yeah. Amber and Drew. <laughs> not Amber, everybody. <laughs> Amber and Drew are definitely getting bullied on the bus. Yeah. They don't want to ride the bus. You know, and like I... The bus is the main reason my mom homeschooled me. She was too scared to send me on the bus. Like but riding the bus is traumatic. It is. I, so I, I, get it. I rode the bus all through four years of high school, and I think it was no, not four years. I drove the last year, maybe even the last two years. He spent six years in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it definitely makes you a stronger person because yeah, that's where a lot of the bullying takes place. That's where uh, there's not a lot of supervision because the driver is driving the bus. And you can't do everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, you they can have rules and expectations for behavior. Yeah, it's, but it's the basically person, a, the only adult. Well, sometimes actually at Azalea, there were they had a bus driver and then a bus rider. Like yeah, a, but typically you just have a, a driver so and that's it. Yeah. And so it's basically a free for all where mm-hmm. anything can happen and a lot you of things do happen. It. Yeah, like keep interrupting, happens. huh? You're worse I'm, than I'm me. Supplementing. You're worse. I'm supplementing you. Okay, the other, we only got eight minutes. So I know. I, the other yes. thing. Oh, okay. Was, the other major thing is uh, <clears throat> the Zeke. Please be happy. Oh, no, the Zeke Camille storyline that's beginning right. to unfold. Mm-hmm. And so Sarah asked Zeke, "Why do you have condoms in your office?" And Zeke says, "I don't want to talk to you about that." That's a good boundary. Like there, <laughs> he doesn't need to talk to his daughter about why there's condoms in the office. That so, is what I would label a good boundary. So that shows that, that they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he's been sleeping in the guest house, so that's right. why and that's Sarah part can't of why stay Sarah there. Didn't, but then he changed, and he's like, "You can move in there if you want to." Yeah. So I don't even remember the whole storyline, even though we watched this season a couple times i don't remember well we're just gonna have to wait and see yeah they're not doing well and you can kind of tell they're not really uh you never see them together these first few episodes Mm -hmm. it's true they don't have like nice moments together or anything like we see with adam and christina and joel and julia yeah um i guess when you're that old and you're you're having sex on the side you you i mean you're not uh, is he going to get somebody pregnant, maybe? Isn't he like 75? I don't know why you're like trying to figure out what's going to happen in the future. When we know we're going to watch these episodes. I mean, is he doing it to prevent STDs? Oh, using, oh, oh, you're talking about why he would use a condom. Yeah. I think the latter. I don't, I don't, I think just, you know, if you're in a, if you're married to someone and you're having sex with someone that you're not married to like the typical rule of thumb is to use a condom like it's like the least you can do if you're gonna I don't be think un- that's the rule if of thumb at all unfaithful at least use a condom i don't think so i think if you're gonna be unfaithful you probably want to make it worth it <laughs> so you don't use a condom so you want to get an std you want to make it worth yeah, but it condoms don't like... prevent stds no um sorry kids <laughs> sorry to... there are young people that listen to this well, I don't know if they listen to this, but they follow us on Instagram and like the posts. Okay, so I want to talk about... Okay, we're back. We just got cut off because Earthquake. one of our listeners... No, my brother Ethan just called... Hurricane. Um, sorry, I just denied your call, Ethan. Um, but he's like one of one of our listeners of this podcast, but he called. Um, he's anyway. 50% of our listeners. <laughs> so, anyway... So I was done. talking We're about Zeke up. and Camille. But, yeah, Zeke and Camille. And they're not doing well, and I'm 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 a little apprehensive about what's coming up with and them. And he's also a little apprehensive about when it's appropriate to use condoms. <laughs> so I want to talk about Hattie. We got less than five minutes. Go. Off. Um, Hattie has an important arc in this episode. I think I wrote this um, too. First of all, we see we just see her character develop a lot. The first thing. I want to talk about is I was struck by how 
intuitive she is when she walks in that I think it was the first scene of her in the episode when she walks into the kitchen after her semi-final soccer game she's like we won we're going to the finals we won the game we're going to the finals and the parents Adam and Christina are like oh that's so great we're so proud of you when's the finals game so we can make it that's so great you must be so proud she can tell something's off and she's like what's wrong so she can read her parents like a book she's like a very intuitive person and then when they don't say anything, she knows to go to Max because she knows that Max is honest and doesn't have a filter and will say whatever's happening. And so he's like, she's like, Max, what's happening? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I got expelled from school. And then you see her switch gears from investigative reporter to, to mama. just being so empathetic and so uh, open-hearted. And, like, like and she just she's like, that's okay, buddy. It's their loss. Buddy. Um, that school sucked anyway. So like she's such a she's oh we just love Hattie so much. She's such a good person. But then we learn later on, she wins her her team wins the finals game. Not only did Adam and Christina not make it to the game, they didn't they even forgot. Make it. They forgot about it, and they didn't even make it to pick her up in time. By the time they get to the field, everyone else is gone. She's just sitting there by like the the goal net um, with her trophy like looking so dejected. Should have called an Uber. And there's so, there's like no amount of sorries. Like you can tell Christina's just like, "Oh, I failed you as a mom right now." Like there's just, "Oh, we're sorry, we're sorry." And then later on, Adam um, goes into Hattie's room to like, you know, give her a very sincere apology and you know, so "I'm sorry. I know with everything that Max has been going through, you've had a couple rough weeks and that's when Hattie switches gears weeks yeah she's from intuitive and empathetic to like try years right she's like okay since we're gonna talk about this I'm gonna be fucking honest with you and tell you like you guys think this whole thing with Max is new just because he's finally got a diagnosis but he's been affecting my life forever you know she's like and it's it's very interesting because you know like she doesn't live her life like she doesn't walk around as a big bundle of resentment like she's not always she's she loves Max and she cares about him but she's she wants finally, some attention every she's once she's finally while. getting this off her chest she's like we had to switch bedrooms and he knocked over my tenth birthday cake and like she's like you guys think this is a new thing but I've been dealing with this. Ever since Max was little, like this has always been a thing, and so we really learn. It's always been how about Max. Much, yeah, she's she even says she says it's always been about Max, and I think Adam and Christina because they've just been in the middle of they it. They haven't seen it. They don't even realize it, and so I'm really glad that Hattie spoke her piece, but I'm also glad that she's just a beautiful person with a beautiful heart. Hattie, hottie, and Hattie is a hottie too, which is so weird to say because she's still in high school right now, but. Um, Hattie, if you're listening to this, but, DM me on Instagram. Yeah, Sarah Ramos is her real name. I know, I follow her. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, we learn how much her life has been impacted by Max, but how she still walks through life as a compassionate person and still cares about Max and is, you know, just a regular big sister to him and is annoyed by him and loves him and all that. So, uh, last words. What's your fam- favorite scene? Oh, favorite scene. Favorite scene. I would say the ending where they're all swimming. I think you always pick the ending as your favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know why? Because that's how. That's I, when it all comes together. Well, I like when they have the like brain. they have like um, poignant, mute, po- poignant, poignant. There's a G in there. <laughs> yeah, but it's it 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 makes the yeah noise. It, oh, it's not silent, but it's what makes the yeah. Last episode was a silent. Oh, now it's a. Poignant. Partial. We're learning about how to read here, kids. Yeah, now it's a... And handwriting. Handwriting's important. Partial G. That's the name of the episode, Partial G. It's not the name of the episode. Um, Partial G string. Because they have poignant music, and then it's almost like the whole family's together. You can't help but feel lovey-dovey about it. Yeah. And And also the fact that they... It ends with Max, I think, jumping into the pool and... Because... What did they just find out? I'm like coaching you through this. Yeah, but that's not why he jumps in. No, it's not why he jumps in, but like, it's important. The spotlight's on Max because I think that's symbolism that because we learned that Max got footpaths. Yeah, he's taking a leap, literally and figuratively. Yeah. Because he's starting a new school. He's excited about starting this new school. He's gonna get to dress like a pirate anytime he wants. So I'll ask you, what's the scene you like the least? 
Uh, when Sarah and Camille get into that fight about <laughs> Sarah's so spiteful, like she like she takes she'll take any opportunity to bring up the fact that she married the wrong man. Like Camille is even like, I never said that. I'm she's not so saying hostile. That. All she's, Camille didn't say all anything. All she was saying, Camille is just a lovely old lady who's a little bit lonely, I think. And so she talked to Jim Kaczynski on the phone when he called and learned about his transsexual uncle or whatever. And you know, and she's like, what's the harm? Doug is making cutoff hands. We're past an hour. He's telling me to stop. We gotta stop. But anyway, that's my least favorite scene is when Sarah just essentially picks a fight with her mom. Yeah. Camille is just over around. She's just trying to... She's harmless. Are you going to ask me what my favorite scene is? No, no, no. That was your question you had to Oh, okay. Cool. So how do we contact us? (laughs) We're the only ones that are going to be contacting. Becomingbraverman at gmail.com. Instagram at Becoming Braverman. That's it. We'll see you next time. Next week, episode four. Hattie gets a hangover. That's not a Just kidding. Also, I want you to talk to your friends and loved ones about the necessity of fish tanks in classrooms. Bye. And condoms. Wait. This was Becoming Becoming Braverman. Braverman.